everyone and welcome to Outdoor Explorer. I'm Adam Verrier. Today we're talking about speed skating with Carl Oswald and Paxson Welber. Carl's the president of the board of directors for the Alaska Speed Skating Club and Paxson is a cinematographer, a journalist, a map maker, and a speed skating explorer. Uh, Paxson and Carl, welcome to Outdoor Explorer. Hey, yeah, thanks for having us. Did I get your uh, Did I get those uh, those introductions about right? Yeah, my credentials are pretty short and sweet. <laughs> uh, currently, uh, sitting president of the Alaska Speed Skating Club, and uh, I've kind of been in this role for about a year and a half, and been on the board for uh, I guess close to three years now. And yep. That's who I am. Okay, and Paxton, you got a little, you got a long, long uh, list of descriptors yeah, in there. That was, that was a lot <laughs> of stuff there for me. The the one thing I'll say is I don't really do speed skating per se. Uh, I'm really into Nordic skating, which is kind of a, a variant of um, speed. It's similar to speed skating, but it's all about going out on wild natural ice. Okay, oh, and that's going to give us something to talk about today, then. Yeah, don't pigeonhole yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, due to the coronavirus uh, pandemic, we've uh, been asked to stay out of the KSKA studios. And so Carl has been uh, generous enough to invite us over to hang out at his house. So thanks for letting us come over oh, yeah. and hang out, Carl. My pleasure. Well, I'd like to start with a little personal history because my my history with the sport uh, goes back a, a lot longer than, than the first time I ever put on skates. I've been speed skating for probably 20, 25 years, uh, and, and a sport I really like to do. I, I skate quite a bit. Um, but the first time I got interested in speed skating was back in around 1980, just soon after the 1980 Olympics in Lake Placid, because I grew up in New Hampshire, which was just a few hours away from Lake Placid. And when I was a kid, uh, probably in, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade, uh, at I think it was the year after the Olympics, my folks thought it would be fun to go over to Lake Placid and, and go cross-country skiing on the Olympic trails, which is, we liked cross-country skiing, and we went over there. And uh, of course, we're walking around the Olympic Village, and the speed skating arena for the Olympics oh, is right yeah. there in the middle of Lake Placid. And I remember going and checking out some of the venues, including the speed skating rink, and there were people out there skating at the time, and I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. These guys were going so fast. They're just training or whatever, but I thought, this sport, you just, you, you got this huge stadium with all these people looking at you if you're competing, and, and, uh, and you're able to go so fast on, on skates. It seems like such, such such an exotic sport because where I grew up in northern New Hampshire, nobody was going skating. We were all playing hockey, uh, but that was pretty much the limit of it. And people would maybe go skating on lakes occasionally, but there was no organized speed skating. So I never, I went through high school, never going out speed skating. I went through college, uh, I was in cross-country ski racing, and I, I never got into speed skating until well after I moved to Anchorage. Uh, and, um, and, and, there was some skating, I think, on, on some local lakes, and, uh, and Jim Rankert, uh, who was really promoting speed skating around the time that I, soon after I moved here, really kind of got me into the sport. And so when I, when I first got a pair of skates and started skating, uh, I have to say it was, uh, it was at least as cool as I thought. But I had been in love with the sport <laughs> even long before doing it because it just seemed so fast. I knew that these guys could go 40 miles an hour plus on skates and it seemed so effortless. And so that's, uh, that was my introduction to the sport. And uh, it, it has brought... Um, for me, it's, it, it, and part of the reason I wanted you guys wanted to talk to you guys today is, is, is it occurred to me that there were some sort of 
uh, barriers to the sport, I oh, guess, for me. Absolutely. It seemed like such an exotic yeah. sport that wasn't really accessible to me. And of course, how, what's more simple than going out skating in a place that, where there's winter? Yeah, you know, that's a very, uh, kind of mirrors my own kind of like path to the sport. Um, for me, it was an 88 Olympics. Uh, seeing it on TV, it was our first TV in the house for the 88 Olympics. So that would have been Calgary, I believe. And uh, I couldn't name names, but I got to see some hotshot skaters in their zoot suits whipping around track. And I had grown up uh, here in Anchorage, uh, my family, um, uh, playing league hockey. And, uh, you know, uh, that was great. You know, we, uh, we practiced outside all winter long, um, played uh, Anchorage Bulldog comp hockey, you know, during the kind of heyday of that league, um, or at least that club. I don't know. Hopefully Bulldogs are still around. <laughs> Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. Um, but I'll, you know, I always wanted to go as fast as I could. And um, we, our first kind of in-person interaction with speed skating was, of course, during the Ferrande speed skating event at uh, Mulcahy Park. And we were, you know, I'd see some of those, you know, older fellers in their leather Swede, you know, speed skates. And I was like, that's, I want to get in some of those yeah. someday. Because you were on hockey skates, probably. Yeah, yeah, we were all racing on hockey skates. Yeah. We'd get out there and just do what we could. And, uh, yeah, it was great fun. Um, I don't think they've held that particular event in some years um, during Ferrandi. But uh, it was something, going fast on ice is, you know, skating in general, is just it's effortless to, to a degree. But um, the ability to kind of cruise over some of the fastest human-powered things you can do um, yeah. on on a natural sheet of uh, ice is yeah always was something I, I knew eventually I would I would intersect with. Yeah, and and Paxson, you were saying that you're uh, that you're really interested in in uh, sort of adventure skating, and I think you've come mm -hmm. to the sport a little bit more recently. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I moved back to Anchorage in um, December 2014, and one of the first things I did is go to. Um, I went to AMH and I got some, um, I heard, of, I'd heard about these things called Nordic skates where you could, uh, kind of use your Nordic skate ski boots and, uh, bindings and then, um, put these skates on instead of skis. So I went over and, uh, I just bought a pair. Um, and the skating season was kind of done for the season cause there was a lot of snow already, but I, I took them out to, um, I set them up and they looked kind of cool and I took them out to the Co Anchorage Coastal Wildlife Refuge and there was some overflow out on the coast and I just went out by myself and I skated one time and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is the, <laughs> this is the most like fun and aesthetically beautiful thing I've ever done in Alaska. It's like you're, you're flying across this mirror and you're surrounded by mountains and it's so fast and it's so effortless and it's just such a beautiful sport. So I, while I was walking back to my car, I, um, I called my buddy Kale up, who's a, um, he's a videographer. And I just said, oh my gosh, like I just found the most amazing sport. You have to like film this because he was getting into drone videography. So we made this little film um, that winter. And, you know, again, like we basically missed the whole normal skating season. So we were going out and skating weird, you know, marginal ice and just really, um, you know, dropping work off and shooting down to the Kenai Peninsula because we'd heard that a little bit of ice was in. And um, my skating in this, uh, in this film is, is terrible. Um, cause I was learning to skate and he was learning to be a drone videographer and we almost didn't even put the video out, but eventually we figured out ah, we should put this out as kind of an artifact of us learning how to, how to, uh, do this. And the, um, little film is called wild ice and it ended up getting, um, featured in national geographic and outside TV. It was in the Washington post and ADN and, and people were just, uh, I think shared our, 
excitement for just um, how just insanely beautiful this this sport is. Uh, just just even even as graceless as my skating is. I mean, it's it's just an inherently very graceful um, thing, and uh, and and. You know, you're out in this uh, beautiful Alaska landscape, and and you meet really cool people out there. Yeah, that's what's cool. Yeah. We're all drawn. We're all kind of cut from the same fabric. And kind of as an aside, this is actually how Pax and I first met. Okay. Um, we we actually haven't formally met until actually right now. We're kind of blind dating on Outdoor Explorer, <laughs> um, but that's good. Such a weird way to put yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> but but it's but great because uh, you know. Uh, I, bought, I was out on a little week, midweek mission down at the um, Portage Train Depot there down uh, south, uh, south of Girdwood, just near uh, the 20 mile, the depot down there. And there's these great ponds, you know, um, and the ice was just, oh, crisp, pristine. And, and no one was there, you know, it was middle of the day on a Wednesday and beautiful. It's just my dogs and I were going to go get some laps in on these ponds and there's these dudes down the way and one of them's flying a drone I was like oh no what, what's this all gonna be about <laughs> and you know I, I, I walked down I, I you know pro or these guys I think approached me and I, I, I learned later it was Kale he's like hey you mind if we film you and I was uh, kind of suspect about <laughs> it all and I was like well if you can keep up <laughs> and man was I blown away by this guy's piloting skills like he was on me you know and it was I was like oh, that, was, that was a lot of fun so I think it was like the next winter um, we're in bed kind of going going to sleep my wife's kind of looking through her feed and she's like hey are those this is a really cool video of skaters you know and I think those are our dogs. <laughs> and so yeah. apparently, you know, I made the final cut of that production, which, you know, to Kale and uh, Paxson's credit is phenomenally produced. It's, it's, it's captive. That's why National Geo picked it up. And um, I, I definitely applaud yeah. their efforts. Um, well, yeah, well, that brings up uh, something I wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, Paxson was talking about, uh, I mean, he's become an international film star uh, as, a, <laughs> as, as he describes himself. That's a little generous. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Being, being a, uh, a rank amateur skater, as he describes himself. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I wonder about listeners who may, be, who may uh, be hearing this show about speed skating and say, well... That seems, it seems, uh, I don't know how I'd really get into that sport. Well, you know, and it kind of, you know, and that's what we've alluded to, um, Verrier, you know, and uh, Adam and yeah. myself, Carl. Um, it was something that captivated us from an early age. We wanted to, we wanted to find a way into it, but there wasn't any readily available um, uh, pathway there. Um, my own experience was... Um, really mirrored Adams in that um, I, I knew it was out there, I knew it existed. I even knew there was actually this club. I mean, uh, growing up in Anchorage, it was a pretty underground club back then, but the, the people that started this club, I mean, it's the Alaska Speed Skating Club has been around for, I want to say about 40 years now, yeah. or close to it. Um, and, and the speed skating, there was a speed skating scene back in the 60s, actually, um, in the middle school, um, ASD, uh, back then it was probably a different, uh, agency, <laughs> but they had a, they had a program in the middle school. So there was central, uh, central, uh, Wendler and one other school and they actually would get together. They'd compete 
And um, some of those skaters are still with us skating, speed skate. And so you kind of intersect, and that's, that's how a lot of things would happen growing up in the 80s, 90s here. I mean, you know there's people out doing some really amazing things, and you want to, like, attach yourself at the hip to these people, but you only intersect on occasion. Now it seems like, um, you know, you can, you can jump into all kinds of different endeavors a lot easier with the information age, the internet. Um, but it took me a while to get there, and, um, and now that I am, I just want to spread the good word. <laughs> well, and one of those places would be the Cuddy Rink, I would think. I mean, yeah. it's the Cuddy Speed Skating Loop. It's, uh, yeah. it's right behind the library in Midtown, and, uh, and, and uh, that has got to be one of the projects that, uh, that has brought speed skating closer to the public, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. That park is like, uh, it's just this gem right there in Midtown Anchorage, the Cuddy Family Midtown Park. Um, and how did that come to be? Uh, well, I'm learning more and more about the history. Um, I'm actually um, serving on this quasi board to actually further that project along the master plan. Um, calls for um, actually a uh, a facility that's there um, for not only warming purposes, but um, uh, we're envisioning like some restroom facilities there, kind of a community facility similar to the Kincaid Park. So in that kind of exercise, and um, I've been learning kind of about the, the, the bigger history of the park. Um, of course, the Cuddy families have been right there from the outset. Um, I'll probably, you know, <laughs> massacre some of this history, but um, my understanding is like the land was kind of donated, uh, granted uh, to the municipality. Um, and then it was, uh, they just started chipping away these, these, uh, these folks like Art Geis and Tim Potter, Jim Renkert was there. Um, some of these guys that just had a, you know, a passion for you know public works and that's what it is it's a public works park so it's a central park of Anchorage. Well it sounds like there was a recognition that uh, there needed to be a, a, a permanent that there was enough interest in, in a speed skating park and one of the advantages to uh, Well I, I'd like to yeah it's that's one little aspect of the overall park this park has got many different mm. um, like flavors to it. There's an ADA playground um, there that Leah, Leah Boltz and her daughter really spearheaded, kind of bringing that to fruition. Um, and that actually was kind of like a, a template for bringing other ADA um, accessible playgrounds throughout the Anchorage area. Um, that's been a, a, a huge, amazing addition in that park. The Oval, yes, was uh, part of the original kind of plan and idea, genesis of that park. And um, it's it's was finally put in about, I want to say about 10 years ago, yeah. through a concerted effort of, you know, legacy people tied to the park. Yeah. Uh, well, I'd like to take a short break right now. Uh, we'll be right back in just a few moments to continue our discussion with Carl Oswald and Paxson Welber. I'm your host, Adam Verrier, and you're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Radio. Welcome back. I'm Adam Verrier, and today I'm speaking with Paxson Welber and Carl Oswald about speed skating in all its forms. And we were just starting to talk about the uh, uh, the, the the skating oval at the Cuddy Park. And one thing I uh, I 
one thing that, that occurs to me about that oval is that uh, regardless of how thick or thin the, the natural ice around town uh, might be, the oval is always, it's got concrete just a few inches underneath or, or asphalt. Um, so one thing you cannot do is go fall through the ice and drown at the Cuddy Park, which I think is a big advantage over some places that may have may have uh, marginal ice. Yeah, uh, the, um, it, takes, ice. it takes this, you know, you, you don't have to be as cognizant of um, maybe your backcountry acumen um, to go up, get out and skate fast. Um, and actually, we usually generally, um, uh, so Edwin Blair over at Alpine Services in the Anchorage Skate Club, he maintains that sheet of ice for us, for the community. Um, and generally historically it's in by thanksgiving and it's you know pretty good skating by then um that's not to say we can't skate a lot earlier i usually start skating in october um but uh that's uh that's usually a, one of the safer places to skate early season once it's in uh, november a lot of the other ice sheets around town you better you know you you, you kind of have have to have your wits about you um we skate on some Thin ice, um, but you 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 generally have to have a skill set to kind of uh, ascertain the safety of that ice. Yeah, natural ice versus this is a man-made ice sheet at Cuddy Ice Oval. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and 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 you had mentioned earlier that you you both met at on a sheet of natural ice down exactly, at Twenty Mile. Yeah. And so, what do you like, Baxson? What do you do? Uh, uh, do you have concerns about skating on ice that's got a lot of that's got deep water underneath it, and how do you uh, mitigate the uh, the risk of falling through? I mean, obviously, if there's two feet of ice, there's no issue. Um, but do you skate yeah. when there's marginal conditions, or how do you? Um, I well, I I do personally. <laughs> um, yeah, the um, kind of ethos of Nordic skating is that it's all about getting out on on wild and, and kind of natural <laughs> ice. So sometimes I equate it to like mountain biking versus road biking. Um, so you're, um, you're using this, this tool that lets you get out on, frankly, you know, 99.9% .9 of the ice in the world is just natural ice forming on, um, lakes and sloughs and, and ponds and such. So Nordic skating is kind of the way to get out there and ex experience that. Um, so you're, um, kind of finding, you find yourself weaving through these like little channels and marshes and winding between trees at, at high speed and um, kind of doing turns around icebergs and glacial lagoons. You know, it's really exciting, but it's definitely um, a very different um, uh, kind of project as far as safety goes. Yeah. So um, especially on marshes, for example, you can have uh, kind of organic gases coming down from the, uh, or coming up from the bottom of the marsh and making thin spots or holes in the ice. And then uh, wild ice can just be very variable. So sometimes you'll have a lake that has very thick ice on one end, and then the other end is open water. Um, so you, you have to be very cognizant of the risks. Um, luckily, there's a lot you can do. I mean, little tiny steps make a huge difference in safety with Nordic ice skating. So um, at bare minimum, uh, you know, obviously wear a helmet. Um, a lot of people wear uh, knee or shoulder pads or, or elbow pads uh, because you can... Um, you might meet a hockey player. You, right? <laughs> you never know where you can get a pickup game going on. Um, but also, you know, wild ice has cracks and might have little pebbles or rocks and, and has things that you could run into. So, um, yeah, you went, you, you know, a lot of people have some basic fall protection and then, uh, bare minimum, you have to have ice self-rescue picks. So those are sharp little, um, two sharp little picks that you can hold in your hands and use to pull yourself up out of, uh, the water if you break through the ice. Um, 
And where do you, are those available in town? Yeah, so you could buy those at, at AMH or Sportsman's Warehouse, I think, has some really affordable ones, like six bucks or something that are yeah. kind of designed for ice fishermen. They kind of hang over your neck on a string. You yeah, they're available. There, there's different styles. Yeah. Um, personally, um, what I say is just as long as you have them at all, that's, you know, that's a lot of the battle. Um, there's some really, really nice ones that are imported from Scandinavia, but they're like 40 bucks. You know, I'd rather that people just... Um, well, those, I mean, those are great, but if all you're going to do, if that means you're not going to buy them, just go to sportsman's and buy the $6 ones and keep them in your chest pocket. But I mean, you have to make sure they're, they're, they're accessible. And then some people skate with, um, a throw rope or an ice screw to assist with uh, rescue. And then, um, if you're any dis any significant distance from your car, it's uh, kind of best practice to carry a change of clothes and a dry bag in a backpack. Um, and then as far as clothing, if there's really thin ice, sometimes the really thin smooth ice is just the best to skate on, but it's definitely riskier. So we'll sometimes go out in dry suits. Um, a lot life of jackets, you see life, yeah, jackets, life jackets out there in yep. thin conditions. Um, and then wearing uh, thick base layer, thick fully synthetic base layers is a really good idea too. I've uh, kind of intentionally gone out because I'm experimenting with gear. So I've intentionally gone out and broken through thin ice wearing really thick synthetic base layers. And I've been able to literally climb up out of the water and just keep skating, even when it's very, very cold, um, because um, those thick base layers, thick synthetic base layers uh, are able to shed water so efficiently. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like basically uh, have a plan, just make the assumption you might fall through and have a plan for when that happens, including ice picks. Uh, and I personally, I, I, uh, I've been known to wear a life jacket out, uh, out skating. Yeah. It just makes me feel better. Yeah. You know, and even if I, and I've never fallen through uh, into deep water, um, but I have to say that if I'm out there to enjoy myself, I enjoy myself a lot less if in the back of my mind I'm thinking, oh, I hope I don't drown. One, uh, of, the, uh, one of the key things, I, I, how I approach, especially early season ice, as it's forming is um, I'm always approaching it with a beginner's mind and I'm collecting data for myself first. I'll, I'll share all my uh, data points, you know, I'm skating a lot of different areas, but I'm, I'm there kind of measuring the ice, I'm drilling through it, I got a little, I got a little hammer drill, a little small little battery powered DeWalt and I got a paddle bit on it and I, I don't trust other people's kind of judgment about things or casually just ask, oh, how is that ice? Someone getting <laughs> yeah. off. I go and check it and yeah. it's really easy to go check a huge field of ice um, really quick with a drill and a tape measure. Um, so I'm always zooming around if you see a guy like out there drilling through the ice early season. Um, it's often likely me, um, because then that takes that element of the unknown away. Um, and then I, of course, I know what I can get away with skating different thicknesses ice. All these different ice sheets have very different characteristics. Potter's Marsh, like a marsh, like uh, Paxson was saying, um, with the gases and the currents we see down at <clears throat> Potter Marsh, is extremely different from like Beer Can or Little Campbell Lake, which is different from Fox Lake, which is different from... Um, you know, they all have their own unique, and that's kind of the fun yeah. of it because it's, it's really variable and it's when, you, and then you do find that beautiful ice. It's, it's like a treasure hunt. And, and wi um, wild ice too is so incredibly interesting to look at. I mean, the, the number of, I, before I started Nordic skating, I never knew how kind of varied and like fascinating and fun to look at wild ice is. There's so many weird formations. 
um, and like di different, you know, things caused by refreezing and just kind of weird physics stuff going on with wild ice. Um, one really cool example is two years ago, we went out to Portage Lake and it had refrozen in the spring, so we were skating in March. And the whole lake was crisscrossed with these double helix formations where these two cracks were, uh, the cracks were like intertwined in a double helix formation just all over the, the ice. It was the, just the weirdest thing, and I do not understand. Um, I mean, I can't even start to grasp the physics that causes formations like that, but you just see stuff like that all the time when you're out on uh, on wild ice it's just always so fascinating and, and it yeah, is a one lot of, our, of fun one of our uh, great things we do with the kids the kids love this is you go out right at dusk you go to one of those marsh ponds and you yeah. see those bells of gas and you see where they perk out of the top of the ice and you go poke yourself a little orifice <laughs> yeah you light that thing off oh my gosh yeah. Oh, yeah and methane burns like really clean really blue oh yeah beautiful flames yeah and you can capture them at dusk and one time we were out at a gym lake, Cash, Cash, Joyce and I, and all day long we were going around and these, these huge bells of, well, gas, you know, we didn't think about it at the time, massive four foot diameter bells of gas in this most crystal of ice. And we're going along and just where they aerate, there's some crystals and we're just going along and poking them and watch the geyser of water because the, the water, you know, the oh, pressure pops up, pops up through and... Well, it took us a while, but then it dawned on us that was gas, and well, <laughs> pyro, pyromaniac, oh yeah, we went back for and... days and, <laughs> and lit them off, and I've never seen bells that big again. And I imagine, you know, you got to be somewhat careful with bells that big, but, but yeah, uh, know, and then and then okay. some of my North Slope Ar Arctic friends, um, yeah, they do that for fun growing up there. Uh, they got a lot of, you know, lake gas up there. Yeah, An another really cool thing. Um, uh, there's a, a place called Rabbit Slough that's gotten really popular for Nordic skating, and it gets a lot of kind of freeze-thaw, refreeze kind of cycles. And sometimes fish get trapped between the layers of ice, so you'll be skating down Rabbit Slough and you'll see all these little fish swimming underneath your skates. It's like swimming on top of an aquarium. It's so cool and so weird. Yeah, like at Potter Marsh, there's like these freshwater clams, and you can, you can <sighs> find, you know, before too many people get out in there and cut up that ice when it's real clear early season you can you can find these freshwater clam tracks and mm. you can follow them follow them follow them and you know find the clam or maybe a muskrat <laughs> will go by underwater and yeah. all the fishes under there swimming around the kids yeah it's just i mean it's like being a kid again right, and that's right. skating yeah. you know that's it's it's just such joy it's it's so easy to elicit that just joyful because who doesn't like to glide on water? Yeah. Whether it's surfing or skiing, right. and skating is you know one of those special things. Well, and you've been mentioning Potter Marsh, and and another thing that I like about Potter Marsh is that uh, you can skate uh, in places where it's really shallow. Uh, and probably the only place I've fallen through the ice is Potter Marsh. And oh yeah, my brother falls through every year without <laughs> yeah. fail. Because but it's nice <laughs> you go in up to your knees. Well, yeah, you get kind of mucky and it stinks. Yeah. But, but you do got to be somewhat careful at Potter because. Because it is a really early, early season, real variable bathymetry yeah. under there, and it creates like weird voids where you think like even when Potter's Marsh gets six inches deep, sometimes like it's all winter long can be kind of you got to be you know a little suspect of some of the ice, but it is a great entry point into the wild ice, so to speak, yeah. kind of because it's it's really accessible and it's still fun like. The suns, you still capture the sun down there, yeah. you know, early season. And... Well, so we've been talking about all these, these 
great places you can you can go and the cool things you can do on skates. Um, I guess uh, a question that our audience might have is how do you like what's it cost to get in? It's a simple sport, but uh, you know, is it going to cost eight hundred dollars for a pair of carbon fiber uh, skates? Oh, absolutely! Another, you can yeah. you can definitely <laughs> break the bank on skates. You know, it's kind of like a, you know it could get. You could develop a fetish, I suppose. <laughs> you know, have a have <laughs> a whole whole fleet. I know guys like that. Yeah. But you know, they you get out and skate on. Two, two but kinds of skates are skates. You know, yeah. like it. Honestly, I truly believe it's one of the lowest barriers to entry of any like winter sport or activity because you can go down to play it again, get a twenty dollar pair of skates. You take them over to Champions Choice. They put a you know they hone them up, super sharp. You're off skating. You know and a lot of and, and there's so much great ice just here in Anchorage and in the different communities. The valley has a plethora of lakes to, to choose from. Um, and it's 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 a really you know, it's it's an easy thing to go do. And and, and aside from getting long blades, whether they're Nordic blades or getting into speed skating, just getting out on skates and being excess, you know, the 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 backcountry on you know, we used to we grew up skating on our hockey skates on Portage, and that was just, it was great, you know. Well, and one question I have when you when you mention hockey skates is, and we've been talking about the the Cuddy rink, yeah. or the Cuddy oh, the yeah. Cuddy oval. Uh, is it is it cool to use hockey skates oh, out there? Absolutely. Do you have to have speed skates? Oh yeah, no, uh, it's it's a it's a anything park open to the public. Yeah, we anybody, love yeah. Any, anybody any can come by. Yeah, okay. We've got figure skaters that come out, and it's great because you know. You see in so many different styles of skating out yeah. there, but yet you know, but, and those blades are those blades are a little bit different. The way they're sharpened, the way they interact yeah. with the ice. So the uh, long blades, like speed skates and Nordic skates, they have a uh, a flat grind. So there's no concavity to the to the grind of the blade. Um, hockey, whereas hockey skates are going to have a concave. Yep. Line they're really uh, uh, turning. Yeah, the hockey skate hockey skaters like to turn on a dime. Um, they're looking for super super uh, tight grip to the ice. Um, they want to engage that edge and be able to just put the power through it. Um, uh, you know, and I, I'm not as familiar with figure skaters, but I imagine they have kind of like a concave grind too. Concave. But right. you, you see the power they transmit into that small little blade, and uh, I think that's part of the reason our our strides are a little different with speed skating um the same concepts are all there between the different skating disciplines so to speak but um our our, our blades are uh maintained a little different for for edge yeah uh, for the sharpness and it's it's something that uh, being part of the speed skating club i'm i i really want to promote the the ideas like you know um I do this little lecture, you know, I've done a couple of lectures at REI kind of introducing speed skating and kind of Nordic skating and how, how, how easy it is to get into. And, um, uh, but you know, the sharpening thing is, is, is kind of akin to waxing your skis. You don't just go out and ski all winter long with, you know, one waxing on your skis. Well, some people do. Well, some people do. <laughs> so probably the coaches of this world. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it is, you know, with a, a few skills and some mentorship, it's really easy to pick up. And then, hey, with Alaska Speed Skating Club, members have a whole host of, uh, of um, uh, resources to access, whether that's stones and jigs for skates, um, primarily the speed skating side of things. But we also offer um, 
uh, skate sharpening for the Nordic crowd, the okay. Nordic skating crowd. Okay. AMH also sharpens Nordic skates. But I like to say, hey, uh, jigs and stones will save your bones. And it's the truth. Safety starts with uh, proper gear maintenance and having the proper mind to check that gear. Um, you know, uh, yeah, well, I think you saw a blatant uh, disregard for safety last year when we were in a scary ah! well, yeah, and I yeah. showed up with those blades that uh, <laughs> yeah, was yeah, crashing that was, left and right. That was exciting. I, I let you take the podium on yeah. that one just to <laughs> maintain safe uh, distancing. <laughs> well, and Paxson, you've come here with, I see sitting beside you a whole bunch of uh, skates of different colors. What's the story with these? Uh, you brought some, you brought some, uh, some toys with you, it looks like. Yeah, so after I started getting really into Nordic skating, um, I started to think, you know, is this some, are, are these skates something that we can manufacture in the US? Uh, right now, all the skates on the market are imported from Scandinavia or there's one brand in China, um, but they're mechanically fairly simple objects. And I, I just thought, you know, maybe, maybe we can make these here. So I kind of kicked around some ideas for a few years, um, but I didn't really get going with it until I got hooked up last winter with uh, Samson Shepard, who works for uh, Arctic Manufacturing Services. And uh, Samson really had the engineering background to um, to know how to how to produce these, how to do the machining, and uh, so we uh, kind of worked together to develop a skate. And uh, yeah, this year we're producing the first batch of made in the U.S. Uh, you know, first batch in North America, uh, made in Alaska, um, homegrown Nordic ice skates. And so these Nordic ice skates, uh, you you clip these onto a ski boot, uh, a regular pair of uh, of skate ski boots. Uh, with a Nordic binding, and you're able to go skating. Is that... Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. So it's so easy to get into if you, especially if you already have Nordic skate ski boots. Yeah. Um, you just mount the binding, clip into it, and you're good to go. And so so for the listener that's that's trying to uh, imagine what this thing looks like, it's basically a, uh, it's a steel blade, it's a skate blade. Uh, it's pretty long, it's, it's about the length of a speed skating blade, but it's got a little platform on the top, and you just mount the binding right onto that. It's about the width of a racing, of a cross-country racing ski. And uh, you just pick yourself up a pair of bindings, bolt them on, and uh, as long as you've got a pair of ski boots, and skate ski boots would be best, I think. Yeah, skate ski boots are... It's fairly essential um, when you're kind of standing on that thin blade, like if you think hockey skates, um, it, you know, the what, what your foot goes into is actually extremely stiff. That provides the uh, torsional stability when you're on that tiny little thin blade contacting the ice. Well, ski boots, um, Nordic boots uh, are generally, they don't approach those kind of stiffness as you see in like hockey boots and speed skates. So the cuff is kind of essential. Um, the sole flex, a little bit too um you're not you're gonna have a kind of a hard go out of it trying to use your classic boots because you unless you got samson freaking ankles of steel um you're you're it's really hard to maintain that balance um and so skate ski boots good solid cuffs sometimes uh the younger ones um i've had them in uh the combi boots we see uh common with the younger skaters Nord that coming over from the Nordic side, they're in a combi boot. But even those kind of can be a little soft because they have a soft sole for the classic kind of stride. You want a soft sole for that. Um, so the stiffer boot you can get them in, you can kind of uh, kind of uh, 
tweak that little. There's some brands out there with a better combi cuff on the boots. My, my own kids uh, used a brand called Mod Shoes so we could cross over uh, from their Nordic endeavors to skating fairly well. But now they're, my older ones are in a proper skate ski boot and oh yeah, it's like, it's like when they get to ride a full suspension mountain bike for the right. first time. They're like, oh my God, you've been holding yeah. out on us. <laughs> so, so if you're not uh, going with, uh, with hockey skates or figure skates, and you're going to get a pair of skates that's really ideal for skating, yeah. it sounds like you kind of have two choices. You either get yourself, uh, you go with your cross-country, your skate, your skate boots, and mm -hmm. you get yourself a Nordic blade, uh, like something like, like Ermin is making, uh, or you get uh, yourself a pair of dedicated speed skates, uh -huh. uh, which would have a, a, either their fiberglass or a carbon fiber boot that's super stiff yeah. uh, and what would be the advantage to each of those approaches because it sounds like those are the two approaches you could you could use yeah them. if you want to go fast on the ice um, those are kind of the two two ways to get out I mean you can I know a lot of fast hockey skaters but you know we'll drop them after the first hundred yards yeah. or so yeah. <laughs> um, so it is an investment um, getting into this uh, initially um, yeah, what, what for example, things. does a... Uh, oh, like a pair of, you know, in my experience, uh, Nordic skates range from, you know, the super cheap. You can find uh, super cheap, uh, poorly manufactured as Vita. <laughs> I shouldn't throw names out. Uh, but you can find, you know, the cheaper use side, like down 60, 40 bucks, which is a great entry point to see... Oh, what's this all about? You know, go down to Danish, uh, go down to Hoarding Marmot or play it again and kind of um, look, look for these uh, aluminum uh, skates with long blades and yeah, try them on, you know, yeah. and uh, take them out. It's kind of a, kind of a, a great starting point. Um, if you get hooked now, you'll see there's a huge difference in quality out there, big time. And back to s safety, keeping your skates sharp. The better steel stays sharp longer. So then you're getting up in the, you know, $120, $150, $200 price okay. range for a really high quality skate. That for is going to last yeah. for a long time. Okay. I've been skating some skates for 20 years now. Yeah. And that is, and that's for a pair of Nordic blades that fits on your boots. Yeah. For, and then, and then I, but then you have a, you know, you do have to get a binding. So at first people are like, oh, I want to get into this. I want to get into this. And then there's this, oh, you know, oh, buyers, you know, uh, trepidation because there is, um, it, especially if they're not crossing over already from the Nordic realm and they have all that stuff, um, there is a, a bit of a, a sticker shock, so to speak, at the outset. Oh, but what 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 you gain from it is you know priceless. Well, and, and the and the gear does last a long time too. So to get into a completely new sport for potentially a few hundred bucks, I think, is is really not bad. And to when, gain access to the wilds of Alaska. Yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, we, we priced our skate, um, the Ermin skate, our first skate is the A100, and we priced it at 190, which we're, we're really, really proud of um, being able to offer kind of a top quality um, made, in the, made in Alaska Nordic skate at an accessible um, yeah, price and, point. Yeah, and seeing for the first time, I, you know, i pretty good judge of quality. These, these have it in spades. And uh, I'm impressed that you guys Thanks. can keep yeah. that price point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I talked to a when lot of people. When are you guys uh, going IPO? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I talk to people and they say, oh, you know, the, the way you're describing your skates, you know, handmade in Alaska, like you really, this sounds like a $300 product. And it's like, you know, I, I really want the sport. I, I just, I love Nordic skating. I want more people to get into it. I want it to be accessible. I don't want people to feel that it's um, unaffordable or something, you know, it's like a high-end activity. 
Um, I really want it to be something where people can get into it and the, the, the entire market can grow and we can get more people out on the ice because um, it is just it is just such a fun. I mean, independently of, of me providing a product in the um, Nordic skating field, well, I just I just love the sport and I want more people to get yeah, into it. Yeah, and I think we have a lot of the shared vision because that's with uh, Alaska Speed Skating Club. Our our goals as a club, our mission is to expose the community to speed skating. And how do we best do that? We keep the the, the barriers to entry as low as possible. Yeah. Um, and the, but but it all gets down to the root of it. It's just like. We want people to skate. I think every person in Alaska growing up, it's like one of those, it, it should be like a skill set, you know. Yeah. Um, we live in the ice, we live in the snow, we should all skate. S something that's kind of fun to add too, I think, when, when I started getting into Nordic skating here in like 2015, 2016, around there, um, the community was substantially smaller and I think Nordic skating was still seen as kind of a shoulder season activity. Um, so people were kind of waiting for the snow to come in so they could actually go skiing. So they're like, all right, well, fine, there's ice, we'll deal with it. But um, it's grown up as independently as such a fun and exciting sport that the community has just grown massively in the last few years. And you have so many people with eyes on the ice trying to oh, find, gosh, yeah. like, fun, you know, everybody's driving around South Central Alaska or around Alaska trying to find uh, lakes that are freezing up and then they're testing them and they're posting ice reports. And, you and there's so much camaraderie in that yeah, and people yeah. to learn from now. There's there's so many, there's like a critical mass of people yeah. with actually the skill set that you can go just join up with them now and it, you just learn it by osmosis. It's, right, it's right. really simple yeah. in that respect to um, meet the community. Well, yeah. uh, we'll take a short break right now. Uh, I will be right back to continue this discussion with Carl Oswald and Paxton Welber. I'm your host, Adam Verrier, and you're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Radio. You're listening to Outdoor Explorer on Alaska Public Media. Find the show anytime as a free podcast in the iTunes store or connect with us online at alaskapublic.org. Welcome back. I'm Adam Barrier, and today I'm speaking with Paxson Welber and Carl Oswald about speed skating in all its forms. And uh, we've been talking about uh, this this sport and how it allows you access to the uh, to the to the wilderness and to, to really cool places that are maybe very kind of difficult to access at other times of the year. Um, my question, I have a question about uh, if you get into skiing, we've talked a little bit about uh, about Nordic blades and how how, how relatively inexpensive it is. Uh, I guess the other option would be speed, dedicated speed skates. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. what would, if you were thinking about getting, I think that, that uh, speed skates are going to, they're going to be more expensive. You're going to get a, uh, you're going to get a... Uh, Actually not, no, is that no, not, is that no. True? I would say your entry point on a speed skate of you know kind of a, a mid-quality speed skate will be cheaper than your general kind of full package Nordic okay. skate setup. Now speed skates are pretty um, uh, shall we say kind of like the Ferrari of skates you know they can be kind of touchy and um, so they don't uh, always transfer over into the backcountry real well um, because of the variability of the ice. Um, they're kind of Fairly high-tuned instruments. Okay. Um, that said, I take my speed skates out, my clappers, my short track skates. Um, 
I, I take them out to the wild ice because there's nothing that approaches the speed of a true speed skate yeah. and just the effortless um, and the power the tra power you can transmit through that platform into that blade yeah. upon that ice especially those those days where it's just like it's emerald stone hard ice it's so one of the advantages would be performance performance and, and yeah. a disadvantage i suppose would be portages yeah like exactly the, the portages being like uh where we're kind of out in the back country and you want to take your boots off real quick and you know jump over the next lake over the horizon that you may or may not know is there and um yeah that makes it complicated you see uh, a lot of people out in the back country on hockey skates and you know they have to <laughs> they're yeah they're a little jealous yeah. when we just go back to our cars for hot chocolate or whatever well, yeah. i'd say as a nordic skater sometimes i'll be way out you know on lynx lake loop or something and you know nordic skates are are an amazing tool for doing these multi-lake chains and everything but then i'll see some speed skaters way out on you know chicken lake or something and they're just going so like scary fast and i get a little bit of professional jealousy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when the ice is really good the speed skaters really kill it on the uh, yeah on and the that's country ice and yeah yeah and you know there's not a, a there's not many of us that actually will take our true speed skates out on natural ice um I, just because I, it's a hassle it it's not a hassle. necessarily a hassle but um they don't um they don't roll over stuff or uh okay. go over stuff as easy uh it's kind of the profile of the of the nose mm -hmm. has a lot to do with um how safe a skate is you really got to have your wits about you uh skating on a true speed skate in the backcountry. Okay. that said putting a true speed skate on your feet um, really highlights your technique, um, especially if it's a fixed blade. They have these, you know, out on the long track, maybe people have seen there's a, and in the Olympics, you see these guys, they have these really fancy looking skates that have a hinged blade, kind of like a Nordic ski. Um, you can get away still with those, a lot of sloppy technique, but you put a fixed blade, short track type style speed skate on your foot and it instantly will translate into making you a better skater because you have to be cognizant of your technique more. And there's like tells, there's really easy tells if you're trying to impart some uh, technical kind of um, information to a skater. Um, you can, someone that's uh, maybe dropping their hip too much, they'll, they'll kick, they'll uh, grab the toe of that skate and you, mm -hmm. you, you hear this little you know, okay, right. and what's that doing? Oh, it's slowing you down. Let's not do that. How do we not do that? Well, we've got all these, all these uh, techniques to make you a better skater. Well, and speaking of that, speaking of technique, uh, what if I want to become a better skier, a skater? What you know, if I if I I do a little bit of skating, I head out uh, and uh, and I realize I'm just not that good at this, and I see people skating a lot better than me. Is That's what's better about the Nordic skating crowd. I mean, they're all having so much fun, but oh my God, could they have so much more fun? <laughs> you know, yeah. well, no, just some simple things. Um, but but I'm wondering where can they go? Oh. Is there does Anchorage Speed Skating Club yeah. offer any sort of yeah. Um, uh, coaching. Um, so yeah, or here at the Alaska Speed Skating Club, um, we offer uh, programs, speed skating programs, both short track and long track. Our short track practices are already underway for our fall winter season at the uh, 
Royal Ice Arena Center in uh, South Anchorage at the O'Malley, okay. uh, the O'Malley area. Uh, short um, track speeding, speed skating being indoor. Short track speeding is rink. indoors. We put pads against the boards um, and we skate on a 110 meter track and it's fast, it's exciting. You know, you're turning a lot more. Um, uh, and that's inside a hockey rink. Yeah, those turns come up a lot quicker. So <laughs> right. it, yeah, it's in, it, exactly, it's on a hockey rink. Um, if you've ever seen uh, the Olympics where they're zipping on, you know, a little scrum of people, um, I think Apollo Ono really kind of like started making that famous, you know, yeah. uh, nationally. Um, and there's, yeah, and, and since, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, gained some traction in the community. So there's a program for that then. Exactly. Uh, through yeah. Anchorage, a person could go on online and find Anchorage yeah. Speed Skating Club. And, uh, Alaska and Speedskating.org. Okay. Um, and that's a coached program. Exactly. Learn how we, to skate. Uh, yeah. And, and how about kids getting into skating? I mean, how does that, uh, are there, do you have any programs for kids? or? Well, kids, these are uh, primarily geared towards toward uh, kids. kids. Okay. I mean, yeah. well, it was great. You know, our uh, we've got a really great uh a youth program going on uh, in the speed uh, short track side of things, um, and these kids are dedicated. They they get to that oval at seven thirty to seven forty five. They're ready to hit the ice at eight fifteen, and we've got that ice till nine forty five. And it's very professionally managed ice. I mean, ice isn't cheap. You know, indoor mm -hmm. ice takes a lot to maintain, um, and so we try to run a really efficient. Uh, professional practice during those times because we're trying to maximize that ice time uh, cost. Um, and so that can honestly, sometimes that's a little intimidating for people kind of just trying to enter in, dip their toes in because you're like, whoa, oh, I could, that, those kids look pretty pro, you know, and yeah. it, it can be intimidating at first, but it's just such a nice community that, I mean, we want you to skate with us no matter what. But the long track oftentimes is a little little less intimidating from that side of things. Well, speaking of long track speed skating uh, and, uh, and, and, and getting back to skating adventures, uh, you had talked about going out and, and immediately uh, uh, finding Paxson that, that, that even on your first couple of times skating, like, oh, I can access all these areas I've never, I've never been before. It sounds like you've skated around a lot around around the area around South Central Alaska. Uh, have you guys have have either of you guys uh, gone off on any like skating vacations? I mean, I am thinking of uh, I'm thinking of Jim Rankert oh. uh, and and the trip that he made uh, to Holland back in I think it was 1996, which was one of the last times that they had the uh, the big race called the Elfstedentocht or the eleven <laughs> the the eleven cities tour, yeah. uh, which is a huge race, something like 16,000 people in this race. And it hasn't but, been held since. Has it not? Okay. I don't believe because so. They because they can only run global. it when there's enough ice. Yeah, yeah. They haven't. And, you know, we could be we could be the next 11 city Elf Staden. Elf Staden talk. Elf Staden talk. That's the I'd best. I'd love to learn that language. <laughs> um, yeah, and we can all thank Jim Ranker for, for, I don't know if he poached that race or somehow he <laughs> yeah, got it he in. He got in somehow. He got it in. And it's kind of like, yeah. 
is to select 16,000 people, and they yeah. tend to be all Danes. Well, um, and that race is a 200-kilometer race, so it's a really it, special race. It's and, very, and, yeah. And I think, I think you're right, that he did really do a lot for skating in this town by bringing that story back of, of uh, getting into this race with 16,000 people. Well, as legend has it, I mean, and, and the story kind of roughly follows him getting somehow entry into this race, getting over there, not having his skates show up with his luggage and uh, his his host family was like, well, you know, just try these things on. These are great. They're comfortable too. You'll you'll like them more than your speed skates probably. <laughs> oh, he sure did. Yeah. And, and those were Nordic, Nordic skates. Yeah. And then he brought them back and it was a light bulb moment for him. And it's been a light bulb moment for all of us, honestly. Um, I've, you know, certain people in my orbit, you know, I've, you know, preach to them for years and then they finally get on them and they're like, oh my God. You know, you grow up skating, you know, here playing hockey or even like out in the backcountry. And sometimes it's this newfangled thing. You're like, oh, why would I want to do that? Well, you want to do it because you go fast and it's 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 a, a easy thing to put on the foot. And yeah, we can all thank Jim for showing up in the, I guess, yeah, after that race, he started importing them, selling them out of his vehicle. vehicle. <laughs> and then... uh you know, of course, Paul Dinklewater at AMH, you know, he was always ready to innovate and he wanted to bring him in and he started. And that's how uh, my family, my father, you know, of course, got his first, as soon as they showed up, he was like, oh, let's go get some of those. And yeah, and, yeah the rest is history. And I, you know, I, I knew back then, this was 96, probably 97, that winter. I, I mean, it was a big light bulb moment for me. Um, and I found myself out there in the backcountry, you know, on something other than hockey skates, covering some huge distance. And I was like, it's only going to be a matter of time before this takes off. Right. <laughs> and so are there any places that you haven't gone yet that you've been dreaming about? Oh, God, I yeah. think I heard something uh, about, about skating around Lake Baikal in, uh, oh, yeah. in Russia or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of my kinfolk uh, come over from that part of the world way back when. And I've always been intrigued by that. That area and Lake Baikal in particular, because I know there is a skate scene over there. And and uh, uh, Yuri, what, what's Yuri's name? Last name? Um, I, I don't remember. Yeah, the, uh, the guys contacted both of us. And yeah, kind of said, hey, you should come over yeah. and skate Lake yeah. Baikal. And does that got... sort of thing interest you at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've talked to Kale. Um, so we're actually kind of in the early stages of planning uh, Wild Ice 2, sort of oh, a cool. longer, longer form film about uh, wild ice skating. And we're hoping, to speak to your question about traveling earlier, we are hoping to um, do a little bit of um, national and international travel and, and film this, uh, yeah, make this new film about skating on wild and, and natural ice. It is really difficult to, um, to get the timing right. I mean, one of the really, like, frustrating but also really cool things about nordic skating or wild ice skating generally is that sometimes the really good ice is only there for like you know a few sometimes it's as short as like a few hours because you're trying to catch this window between um the ice forming and being supportive and then before it's had a chance to get covered up with snow um so uh so sometimes it's like when the ice really gets in come, comes in on portage lake or klutner or something like you take off work you go you hit it well it's good um, and that can be difficult to do even just on a little local level. So when you're talking about traveling to skate, um, man, it's like, you gotta, you gotta know that the conditions are good or anticipate them, book your ticket, you know, you gotta go right away. Um, the one time that I've done that was, uh, when we were filming the first wild ice video, 
um, we had a friend down in Cordova who was like, oh, you guys are skating? Like, you know, the, the uh, Sheridan Glacier, I, th I think the lagoon froze. You guys should come down. And we jumped on a plane the next day, literally, and uh, went down. And, and sure enough, Sheridan Glacier Lagoon was just frozen completely, perfectly smooth. It was some of the best ice I've ever skated on in my life. So we were, the next day, we were winding around at high speed between these uh, icebergs. And um, yeah, just beautiful day of... Uh, of skating, but yeah, traveling for wild, for wild ice. Oh, super tough. And it would really burn to like, um, fly to Sweden <laughs> to skate in the fjords or something. And then they're like, Oh, you know, it snowed, you know, so like right on the Baltic sea. Like, I think it's very popular yeah. there. Uh, yeah. skating off, offshore. Yeah. Off they Stockholm. have, uh, right. over there, they have like, uh, they have a, what do they call like, um, public transport, uh, bus system set up to, you know, you, you don't have to skate back to where you started. Okay. You, just, you take the bus back. Yeah, you yeah. just take the bus Yeah, back. so in that way, like what you're talking about, it would be a lot like the professional surfing world where these oh, guys, exactly. uh, there's yeah. a big swell coming in in Tahiti. It's going to be there in 72 hours. We My buddy, to... uh, Rob Whitney, he uh, turned me on last winter to some ice. He, he heard uh, a gr the Gruink Lake down there south of Homer was in. And I was like, oh, really? I've been trying to get that for a couple years. But, you know, it's a bit of a distance. Well, you know, you know, there was a lot of silver linings last year with the kids at home uh, doing the homeschool. And uh, Wednesdays were officially asynchronous. So okay. we took asynchronous adventures. And we jammed down there as a whole family. My wife, I pitched this to my wife. And I was like, she is never going to go for this. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that sounds that sounds like doable. Yeah. <laughs> and man, we went for it and we left the house, I believe at like three or four in the morning, jammed down there. Um, it was beautiful, beautiful drive. And it was the last, going to be the last good day. And it was severe, clear weather that like morning crisp sunrise as we we're coming into Homer, go down to the docks, jump on Mako's water taxi, head over there. Um, Hike in is actually beautiful hike. It's really easy. Of course, I had never been there, so I had a, a ton of stuff with me. But uh, I had my dog team to help pull the loads. And we huh. raced in there with our little two-year-old, Conrad, at the time. And then my, my, uh, my, my older son, he was 13. My daughter was 11. And so they can carry, you know, quite a bit. And we raced up there with our friend Jody Jenkins. And she somehow signed up for this crazy adventure. And... Oh yeah, we and another skating dream came. Uh, yeah, yeah, another yeah. skating right. dream came too. I got to skate with the icebergs of Gruink. Well, I think that pretty much uh, that brings us to the limit of the time that we've got. Oh, uh, too thank bad. You. Yeah, thank <laughs> you. We've got a lot more to go. We'll have to uh, maybe yeah. continue this discussion. But I'd like to thank Paxson Welber and Carl Oswald for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, I'd like to thank Carl for hosting us here in his home, and uh, and of course I'd like to thank Eric Bork for producing the show. I'm Adam Verrier, and I'll see you outdoors. Outdoor Explorer is a production of KSKA Public Radio in Anchorage, Alaska. Theme music is by Portugal, the man. Views expressed are those of the participants and do not reflect the station or its underwriters. You can find Outdoor Explorer on Facebook and in your favorite podcast app. To see what's coming up on Outdoor Explorer and add your voice to the conversation, go to our website at alaskapublic.org.
Life Informed. This is Alaska Public Media.